Chapter 33 Tonos and Ashnod The last battle began before dawn, as the overcast sky was just beginning to lighten. The remaining mechanics on both sides began activating their destructive artifacts, and the thrumming of their engines was a bugle call to both sides. The vibrations grew on both sides, as more wings were limbered, treads were checked, and leg armatures were put through their final preparations. With the first light of dawn, the dragon engine surged forward, forming a wedge and bearing down on the Argiving position. Behind them lumbered two huge flanks of transmogrants, and the remaining Falashi soldiers decked in Ashnot spiked armor. Bringing up the rear was Misha's great ground-shattering engines and war machines protecting the flanks of their wedge. Behind those lines rose a dozen winged dragon engines, bugling battle cries and breathing flames into the morning air. Urza had guessed his brother would try a direct assault, counting on the weakened state of the Argiving forces after their battle with the Argothians. For that reason, he positioned all Taunus's mobile fortifications, the Triskelians, in the center, supported by war engines of the Lord Protector's own design. The rest of his units were broken into smaller groups of clay statues, avengers, and sentinels. Shape-shifting automatons, made of primal clay, worked over adjustable frames, held the flanks. The sky was alive with ornithopters and ornabombers, protected by tetrified and clockwork avians that swarmed upward toward the great flying dragon engines of the enemy. The armies crashed together with a scream of shattering metal. The dragon engines on the ground moved among the Triskelians, hammering them with flame and savage blows, but the great fortresses refused to fall. Urza's war machines were smashed beneath the treads of the dragon engines, slowing them, while hordes of avengers and clay statues clung to their flanks, seeking to break through their armor to the driving motors within and destroy them. The dragon engines screamed, and the transmogrants fell upon Urza's flanks. The remade troops were picking at the clay statues like carnivorous apes, but Urza's newer shape-shifting automatons were too much for the reanimated forms of men and elves. Old blood and new oil splattered on the combatants as they slammed into each other. In the air, the clockwork avens swooped and dived at the dragon engines, seeking the weakness in their armor that would allow them to penetrate and spread packets of explosives within. Occasionally, there was a metallic scream as an ornabomber or dragon engine lost structural integrity and could no longer remain aloft. The huge engines sprawled into the seething madness below, crushing both ally and enemy beneath their sprawling hulks. On the far right flank, Tonos led a squad of Yodian soldiers, heavily armored and looking more like beetles than humanoid automatons, looking for a way into the rear echelons of Mishra's forces. He held aloft the sentry-damping wand that he had days earlier offered Harbin, and none of the other combatants seemed to notice him or his patrol. There was a motion ahead of him, and Tonos barked to command. The soldiers formed a wedge behind the old scholar, raising blades made of tempered glass that could cut through steel. Tonos snapped the attack command, and they lumbered forward, their servos and governing mechanisms clicking as they sought out their targets. It was a group of priests, Gixians by the robes, and the automated soldiers fell upon them like wolves among sheep. The blades of unshatterable glass rose and fell like scythes, and the Gixians screamed as they fell beneath their razor-sharp edges. There was the clatter of glass upon metal, and Tonos at first assumed that the priests were wearing armor, but when he caught up with his weapons, he saw that the Gixians had replaced parts of their own bodies with machinery, large, lumbering, clanking prosthetics that denied them the speed with which to escape. Tonos looked down at the fallen bodies and wondered if their alterations were voluntary. It smelled of Ashnot's work, but she never modified the living, only tormented them. Was this something new in Mishra's arsenal? That was when things started to go wrong. There was a whirring noise behind him, the familiar whine of one of his own Yodian soldiers approaching. 
Tonos half turned, and in turning, realized that the automaton had its blade poised to strike. The Master Scholar stepped back and stumbled over one of the Gixian's bodies. The fall saved his life, for the soldier's blade cut through the air where Tonos had been moments before. Another of the soldiers stepped up in front of Tonos to defend him, and the two Yodian automatons began cutting each other to ribbons. Tonos rose slowly, the joints at his knees complaining. He looked around. All the Yodian soldiers were fighting among themselves. Their blades of tempered glass cut into each other, peeling away their heavy armor like orange skins. Already, some were falling from the assault, but whether they were attackers or defenders, Tonos could not say. Tonos shouted a command for the unit to form up, and the machines ignored him. He shouted the command for them to cease fighting, and they ignored that as well. Finally, he bellowed the order that would deactivate the units. They paid no attention to this order. The battered survivors of the contest only lurched forward to seek new targets. Tonos took a step back, then a second. Then, he was running for the center of the line. Two soldiers attempted to follow him, but soon fell to fighting each other. As Tonos moved along the line, the story was the same. The machines on both sides had forgotten their basic orders and were lashing out at random, striking at any target in their path. He found a unit of clay statues in combat with a band of usually allied Avengers, the great automatons pulling chunks of primal clay from the statue's frames. On the horizon, a pair of dragon engines had their necks entwined like mating geese, and each had its jaws wide open, attempting to bite the other's head off. The Triskelians had opened fire on Urza's battle engines and on each other, and already, smoke was billowing from their frames. Overhead, the clockwork avians were attacking the ornithopters, and their needle-sharp beaks ripped apart the craft's reinforced wings. Tano stumbled across human bodies as well. Mechanics, guards, other scholars, and Falaji warriors. The humans had been the first to be destroyed in the rebellion of the machines. Someone heard Tonos call his name, and there was a flash of scarlet against a black cloak. Ashnot shouted his name again, and Tonos waited as the woman scrambled over the fallen body of a clay statue. She was bearing her ubiquitous staff and still carried the battered backpack she had possessed the previous evening. Is this your doing? shouted Tonos over the clashing din. A hundred yards away, a headless dragon engine was using its neck as a metallic whip to breach one of the Triskelion towers. Ashot shook her head empathetically and shouted back, It's affecting Mitra's devices as well. Maybe something in the way the machines are getting their commands? Now, it was Tonos' turn to disagree. Nothing like this happened before. Maybe the two brother stones, the might stone and the weak stone. Could their proximity do this? Ashnot shouted. You tell me. It seems as everything with a power crystal has a mind of its own. There was an explosion nearby. Too close. Both man and woman crouched as a fireball bloomed skyward, shaking the ground with its eruption. One of Misha's war machines, yelled Ashnod. I'm going to get back to Urza's camp, shouted Tonos. Come along. Thought you'd never ask, replied Ashnod. The two headed away from the line as a great dragon engine, perhaps one of the originals Misha had brought to Corlinda, rose over the hillock. It regarded the two beings before it as if they were insects. You have a command word to control that thing? asked Tonos. You think you would listen to me? replied Ashnod. The dragon engine hesitated, then turned away, moving back into the heart of the battle. Something you did? said Tonos, but Ashnod only shook her head. Then a third voice spoke. No, that was me. He stepped into view, and Tonos saw a creature of nightmares. He was as tall as Tonos, with long coils that sprang from the back of his skull-like head 
and twitched of their own volition. His body was constructed entirely of struts and cables held together by sinews of flesh which twisted like muscles as it moved. He was the ultimate automaton. Demon! shouted Ashnod. The demon laughed, and it was a harsh clicking sound. Is that what you call one who just saved you from your master's devices? Yes, I can control it, even if your masters can't. I can control most of these creatures now. And when they are done slaying each other, I will take the strongest ones back with me to Phyrexia. Ashnot dropped the pack and hoisted her staff with both hands. Get back, she said. The demon laughed again. Now is time to pack up the toys and go home. Urza and Mishra will die today, and with them, fill their hopes and their legacy. He paused for a moment, then added, And their students. The demon crouched to leap, but Ashna was faster. She brought the end of her skull-tipped wand, and multicolored energy surged forth from the tip. The creature staggered under the force of the blow, but did not fall. You've grown more powerful. He snarled, but his words were forced. I've been practicing, said Ashnod. Tonos noticed that her teeth were gritted as well. Tonos, she shouted. Take the backpack. Tonos did not move immediately, instead drawing his own weapon. No, shouted Ashnod. This one is mine. Take the backpack. In it, there's a bowl. Tell Urza to fill with memories of the land. Got it? Memories of the land. Tonos did not move, and Ashnod cursed. Urza's going to need it if this thing is here. Already, the demon had risen to his feet and was staggering forward, struggling against the beam of Ashnod's staff. As Tonos watched, his arms grew longer and his fingers sharpened in talons. Sweat was streaming down Ashnod's face. Go, baby duck, she shouted, and redoubled her effort. The demon staggered back a few paces, but then resumed his slow progress forward. Tonos grabbed the pack and turned, running for the base camp. Behind him, the demon screamed, and Ashnod cursed. Then, their voices were lost in the changing din of the mechanized battlefield. <laughs>